0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of b Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you in the evening hours of Thursday, March 9th, 2023. As we're talking some Cardinals baseball here, spring training still moving along. The World Baseball Classic underway now, which brings a lot of intrigue for Cardinals fans because of the sheer number of players involved in the event from the St. Louis roster Team USA, it's crazy. The pitching staff is, it feels like mostly Cardinals when you've got, well, Adam Wainwright, Miles Michael is part of that starting rotation. And then former Cardinal Lance Lynn is also in the rotation. So Team USA, plenty well represented by Cardinals on the pitching side. You've got Arenado, Goldschmidt, anchoring the infield there for Team USA. There's Tommy Edmond playing for Team Korea. Lars Neupahr playing for Team Japan, which we're going to get into by the way, we'll probably start there tonight on B-Shape Daily with Lars Nupar and the impact that he's having on uh, on Team Japan already. It is almost surreal to think about the rise of Lars Nupar over the past year, year and a half, with the notoriety that is coming to him. And it's on an international scale at this point with the uh, influence he's brought to Team Japan. So we'll talk about Lars Nupar, and then we'll kind of try to diagnose what we think his season could actually look like for the Cardinals because this is a Cardinals based podcast. So uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how the international flair has definitely uh, arisen for Lars Neupar, but also dive in on like, what do we actually expect from Lars Neupar this season? We'll talk about a couple of other Cardinals as well. I want to get into, uh, well, Paul DeYoung young, because I've gotten some questions and said, you know, people have said, Hey, The Cardinals kept Paul DeYoung around. What do we actually expect from this guy that has been a starter at times in the past for St. Louis, but depth chart-wise, it doesn't seem like that's in the cards for this year. What do we think his role could be? How do we think he will fulfill that role? And I also want to talk about Brendan Donovan because Brendan Donovan is off to a really good start to spring training for the Cardinals, and he's added almost, it feels like, an element to his game that wasn't there before, that if it sticks, if if he maintains it, throughout the 2023 season, Brendan Donovan could be, I mean, for real, an all-star level player. And so I want to talk a little bit about him on tonight's episode of b Shafe Daily, which will honestly parlay nicely into talking a little bit about Nolan Gorman because both Donovan and Gorman, yeah, kind of slated to play the same position defensively, but how much does that matter? I think that's relevant to the discussion as well because Gorman is one guy that has gotten a lot of love from, the coaching staff, at least through Ollie Marmol, when he has talked about guys that have come into camp, looking like they're ready, looking different. Gorman has been someone that has, has really been singled out in that regard. So want to talk about him because you think about the second base job with Tommy Edmonds shifted pretty much. It seems like full time to shortstop. Uh, there are going to be reps available at second base. I feel like Donovan and Gorman are the two guys most likely to fill those reps, and then the DH spot sort of floats around. So we'll talk about just an outlook for those guys coming into the season. And as always, if there are other players that don't get a lot of love, don't get a lot of conversation on B-Shape Daily, but you feel like those guys should be discussed, I'm at b Shafer for 12 on Twitter. Let me know who you want me to talk about next. Because right now through spring training, like we've got plenty of opportunity to sort of take a, a, a helicopter view of the season, the 10,000-foot viewpoint of where guys are, where we expect them to be. And then we get into the season, it'll be a little bit more, more nitty-gritty, right? We're talking about the game. We're talking about the day-to-day, the injuries and stuff like that. But right now, we can sort of freewheel it a little bit. So, at for 12 on Twitter, let me know what you think. Let me know what you want to know about. And we'll try our best to uh, to dive into it. Make sure to subscribe to BShafer Daily, by the way, on uh, Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, that's probably the best way for you. But also Spotify because uh, Spotify has changed a lot of the ways they're doing things, and peek behind the curtain, an opportunity for me to actually make a little bit of money off the podcast. That is the ultimate goal is for me to make this part of what I do and not just something I'm doing for fun. Um, make this part of my my career. And uh, Spotify owns the website Anchor, which is is what I use to uh, to put this podcast out there. And so you might hear, you know, ads on the podcast from time to time, listen to them, just sit through them for me because it helps me a lot if you do. But uh, Spotify, I I get to see actually how many sp- followers I have on Spotify. So if you were to say, I don't follow Brendan on Spotify, but I could tonight, I will actually tangibly know that. And I will see that tomorrow and go, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. Somebody thought enough of the podcast to follow it, which ups my numbers, which helps for advertisers, that, that whole thing. So not to get too much into that, but appreciate you guys for your support. And uh, if you want to support me more, check out Patreon. Patreon.com slash B 12 has a way to do so monthly. But let's go ahead and jump right into the content of the podcast. I want to get into a few of these players that we haven't really talked about yet so far this season, this spring training season on B Shafe Daily. Let's go ahead and start with Paul DeYoung, just because I had a few questions about him folks that were wondering, like, what's the deal with Paul DeYoung? Are the Cardinals serious with this guy? They're doing this again. You know, people rightfully were skeptical, I think, of Paul DeYoung coming into the season and still are just because of the notion that, you know, he's kind of had his chance, right? And it hasn't been successful for him. It's been some lean years for Paul DeYoung. And so give it up already, Cardinals. And like, it's been really intriguing that the Cardinals themselves have actually sort of taken on this mindset when it comes to De young. Like, whenever John Moselock answers a question about Paul DeYoung, he has to sort of like preface it with, I know how this is going to sound. Like, if I'm about to say something positive about Paul DeYoung, I realize that I'm going to get groans and I'm going to get Cardinals fans that are like, enough already. And Ollie Marmel, at, back at winter warmup, almost had like the same mindset where he says, I know how this is going to gonna come off, but I think Paul DeYoung has made some good changes this offseason and he could actually, you know, he could help us. The Cardinals are aware of the struggles that Paul DeYoung has had over the last couple of years, and how could you not be, if you go back to, I mean, all the way back to really the 2020 season, which was COVID, and, and so there are built-in excuses as to why things weren't going so good, and I believe PDJ, Paul DeYoung was one of the guys that had COVID that summer, and so he missed a handful of games from that, but he has 671 OPS. His on base was 322, still a decent batting average at 250. Honestly, the batting average was the second highest of his career. Had literally no power to speak of though. In 2020, a 349 slug. It's uh, just a just a rough go for him. And then 2021, the batting average dipped. He was below 200 at 197. He slugged 390, so he hit a few homers. Like he had 19 homers in 2021. But the on-base was below 300. Last year was even worse. A 157 average, 245 on-base, 286 slugging percentage, and they sent him down to the minor leagues to where, you know, very clearly Paul Young was struggling in 2022. They had to literally send him down. He had been a fixture on the team, and they were like, no, your performance is such that we have got to gotta demote you. You got to go down to the AAA Memphis team and figure out this swing and see what you're doing wrong. And so that had to be a humbling experience. And I remember when even when Paul came back last year to the Cardinals, it was just like it was so tough because you could see him and you knew that he wanted it so badly, but he couldn't you know, always articulate why the struggles were happening. And so for him, it it was a tough year. This offseason, based on what we've heard about him and, and honestly what we've seen so far in spring training, the book on Paul is that he has made a swing adjustment. He's gotten rid of the leg kick, right, which is something we've talked about before in the podcast. He first broached that topic at winter warm-up and said, the leg kick is gone. I'm keeping the foot planted. I'm, You know, you squash the bug, whatever, but no front leg kick. We're, we're going to keep that on the ground. And it's like, okay, is that going to make a difference? Most people are understandably, I think, skeptical about that coming into the year. Uh, Paul DeYoung, not a ton of at-bats so far this spring. When you look at the Cardinals' leaderboard, I've got the stats pulled up right here. There's a few guys like, oh, Jordan Walker, perhaps you've heard of him. He's leading the Cardinals in OPS this spring. That's pretty good. Mason Wynn is number two in OPS. He's also stolen three bags. Uh, 1087 OPS for Mason Wynn and 18 at-bats. That dude, I mean, I'm not planning to talk tonight about Mason Wynn, but if Mason Wynn is that guy offensively, he's going to be one of the most valuable players. (laughs) I mean, again he's getting most of his reps right now against probably guys who aren't always going to be considered major league caliber pitchers but Mason Wynn is off to a good start in spring definitely something to keep an eye on um Brendan Donovan is is after that those are the three guys for the Cardinals right now that have a an OPS above 1000 which is fascinating um and that's of the guys who have actually qualified which is going to sound ridiculous because It's like, okay, it's spring training. Who could possibly qualify for statistical categories? But the way that works during the regular season is, like, if you get 3.2 or whatever the number is, 3.2 at-bats per game or 3.4 per game, you qualify for categories. And, like, that allows you to be qualified for a batting title or to lead the league in, you know, whatever. And in spring training, that doesn't really matter. So now I'm sorting it based on just total numbers and like Paul Goldsmith's 1100 OPS but he hasn't had enough at bats because he's gone to Team USA now. He didn't play a ton. Uh, another guy though who has not qualified for statistical categories but has you know had a good start spring in terms of he hit a home run at one point and he's only had 9 at bats. is Paul DeYoung. Uh These numbers are going to sound ridiculous. I don't even want to read them. But he's got a 2.22 average because he's 2 for 9. And with the home run that he hit, his OPS is up to 1084. He's got a double and a home run and nine at-bats. And that's kind of, it sounds like Paul DeYoung, right? Like, he's not going to probably carry a very high average, but you've seen him be able to punish bad pitches in the past. But the question for Paul DeYoung I think this year is going to be, well, there, there are really two questions. One can the changes that he has made actually stick for Paul DeYoung? Can he make sure that those are not a fluke and actually maintain them to where he sees a, an improvement in his performance? My thought process on that is probably, like, I I like Paul DeYoung. I lean toward believing that Paul DeYoung has found something that can improve his game or at least the consistency of his game. And here's why I buy into what he's saying. At winter warm-up, when he talked about the change, which is basically to eliminate the leg kick, he acknowledged that in the past, talking about the past two, three years, there have been changes that he has strived to make but really was not fully committed to them is sort of what he admitted. Where he said, like, in the past, I've made changes. And this was a question that I asked him, actually, because I knew Cardinals fans would want to know it, where it's like, okay, We have heard, it seems like every year going into the offseason, we've heard, like, Paul DeYoung is making this change or that change, and that's going to be the difference for him. And he said, and so I said, you know, in the past you've kind of said this before. What makes this one different? And he said, really, what makes this time different is that I'm actually physically feeling the, the changes and connecting it to my mind and to my brain. Whereas before, and this is sort of me reading into the situation, but before he said... I would try to make these changes, but I would not fully commit to them, and it's like he was trying to do too many things at once, and if he, in his mind, thought, yes, I've made this change, you go back and watch video, it turns out, no, he really didn't. The change he thought he was making was not substantial, or it it actually did not come through in his play, if you go back and watch the video. And so he was sort of maybe one foot in, one foot out on committing to making these changes. But I think what happened last year was he went to the AAA Memphis team. He had to be demoted. That was a, an experience for him, obviously, and a, a learning experience at the end of the day. And so when he has this offseason, he goes, I need to be fully open to the idea of maybe I don't have it all figured out. Maybe there are things I can learn from the hitting coaches. From And I'm not saying like, It's all on Paul DeYoung. Like, has he probably been a little stubborn in the past, a little set in his ways in the past? Yeah, probably so. But we've seen that with a lot of guys over the years. You know, the the whole deal with Matt Carpenter last offseason, after, you know, his contract expires and he's not with the Cardinals anymore, he goes through that odyssey in the offseason to try and fix his game and, and, and make better the things that had sort of gone astray. And it's not until you get into the, the real doldrums of that, I think, as a player, that you're able to fully acknowledge like, okay, yeah, it's, it's gotten away from me and I have to be committed to fixing it or my career is, is kind of on the brink at that point, right? And so I think, I think there is a chance that Paul DeYoung reached that point this offseason where he had to be willing to go through some uncomfortable changes. And the bottom line of what those changes were, I think the total elimination of a leg kick is like a mechanical change that you can look at and say, that is, you know, substantive. You you can see that on the field and acknowledge and recognize, like, that's something that he is doing differently. And if he commits and does it the same way every time, then you might end up seeing results from that. Whether he's able to do that, it kind of remains to be seen. Like I said, there has not been enough of a sample size this spring to really get the full scope of of a feel for what those results are going to be like. Do I ever expect him to be a huge batting average guy? Probably not. Will he still strike out a, a bunch? Probably. Most guys do, though, in Major League Baseball now. But if if he's a guy that that ropes doubles and homers with a just a little bit more consistency, and he plays, I'm not going to say gold glove caliber defense, he's been a finalist at shortstop for the gold glove, At second base, maybe, which, by the way, I think he'll probably play more second base if he finds his way in the lineup. We'll get to the lineup aspect of it soon. But if he's playing over there, like if he's playing good defense, he's a good defender historically, that's a valuable player. It's kind of like the Harrison Bader of the infield, I would say, is sort of what DeYoung's uh, ceiling is as a player. Because Bader, was he ever, like, super consistent offensively? No, but did he have pop? Did he have some elements to his game offensively that when he was going right would be attractive, sure. And I think Paul DeYoung fits into that category. But if you look at the last two years, the numbers are undeniably, you know, they haven't been there. And so it would have to improve to justify his place in the daily lineup. But I think what's really interesting and important to acknowledge is that Paul DeYoung is not slated to be in the daily lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals coming into this year. You know, he's going to be a bench guy. And the bench guys are going to see plenty of playing time. But if you've got your A lineup out there, I I think coming into the year, he's not in it. And he probably recognizes that. And he knows that, like, to have value to this team, I'm going to have to play different positions. And I'm going to have to be, you know, I've got to add some more flexibility to my game. I think that's almost necessary for Paul DeYoung at this point. But I think. There is a world in which Paul DeYoung could be a valuable player to the 2023 Cardinals, especially if he embraces that role where it's like I'm not playing every day, but when I get my my shot and if I can do the things I would have otherwise done as a starter, there is definitely value to that because historically he's a guy that has some power, is going to play solid defense, and if you can add some positional flexibility to his game, which is, is a humbling experience, it's not what he wanted – but the, the bat over the last couple of years, I think to this point, has dictated that he's going to have to be willing to take on that kind of role. There might be some value to that for the Cardinals. And so I am not one to count out Paul DeYoung. And I'm also one to say, like, if there were an injury that would necessitate his involvement in the daily lineup, I do believe there's a world in which you could just basically see Paul DeYoung step right back into a starter's role and be able to do pretty well. I don't know exactly what the makeup of the bench is going to look like this year, but I think there is absolutely value to to having Paul DeYoung on it where you can say, all right, could he play third in a pinch? Sure. Could he play short? Of course. Could he play second? Absolutely. Uh, I I don't think outfield is in the cards for him, but imagine like the role that Emundo Sosa played last year where he offered really nothing offensively, a little more of a spark plug kind of guy, but didn't have power. Right, like I'd rather have Paul DeYoung. I think a, a guy who is committed to working on his swing, like Ollie Marmel is is as candid as it gets. If Paul DeYoung is straying away from the things that he was supposed to be doing in the off to improve, I I think that's going to be a different story. And always, like I don't, I'm not going to use this guy. But I think Ollie, to his credit, like he was honest about it back at winter warm up, and he said, "Listen, I know how this is going to sound. I know that Paul DeYoung has had his struggles." This is the first off season in which I have looked at the changes DeYoung has been making, and the, the reports I'm getting on him, and I and I truly believe that he's actually working toward something different. In previous off seasons, which is basically a, a tacit admission that in previous seasons DeYoung wasn't fully committed to it. And per Ollie Marmel back in January, and he sort of re- has reiterated some of that comment in, in February and, and in early March back at spring training, he basically said, like, yeah, I when it comes to Paul DeYoung, there are things that are different and do feel different to me. But at the end of the day, what matters most, he's got to show it in the game, in-game action. And so I think Ollie's treating it completely correct. I think the Cardinals are treating it correct as well. There are people who are like, get DeYoung off the roster. He doesn't belong there. No, I don't think that's right. You're paying him anyway, so you might as well see what's there because in the past there have been uh, – there has been – good qualities of Paul DeYoung's game that have helped the Cardinals and you might as well since you're paying for it see if you can extract some of those this year but if people are like well I'm, I'm worried about what his level of involvement could be uh, he's not going to be part of the starting lineup most days but he could work his way into that and he's the kind of guy with experience that I think is a benefit to have on your bench in in case of injury which Guys, baseball is a long season. Injuries are going to happen. We got to keep that in mind. And so, as long as it's realistic about, like, okay, Paul Young has a role to play on this team. And if he can thrive in that role, it'll make sense for the Cardinals. I think that's a good thing. I don't know how most Cardinals fans feel about it. Let me know. Hit me up. Tell me your thoughts at 12 on Twitter. Uh, I know there is a way that you can record a, a voicemail on the podcast if you want your voice to be heard. Anchor.fm slash 12 slash message. Go on there, record a message, and I'll play it on a future podcast. But I don't know. I'm giving Paul Young a chance. I know most people are probably writing him off. I think it's possible that he could, could figure some things out and, and be a benefit to the team this year, but it's all within context. Like I don't think he's starting over Tommy Edmund uh, on, on a regular basis. I don't think he's starting at second base on a regular basis because I look at the options there, and I think they're pretty good. Uh, you look at the spring training that Brendan Donovan has had. He's another guy that I want to talk about. He's adding power to his game, folks. And if Brendan Donovan becomes even somewhat of a power hitter, I think that is a very interesting proposition. I'm looking at MLB.com. They've got him at 304 average, a 360 on base, and a 696 slug for a, a 1056 OPS this spring. And that's a, uh, basically derived from three home runs, it looks like, that he's had so far this spring. And that's interesting because he's only had 23 at-bats. If Brennan Donovan becomes like a 20-home run guy, add that to what he was able to do as an on-base guy last season, add that to being a gold glover as a rookie last season, playing a variety of positions, like Brennan Donovan becomes suddenly a very valuable player in the landscape of, I mean, some of the top guys in in baseball, right? In the National League, at least, I don't know what that number would be in terms of wins above replacement, but I could see four, five, six. I guess I should have to go through and look at what Donovan was last year in terms of WAR to kind of have a, some level of basis for. I mean, last year, guys, he was a four point two wins above replacement guy. Now, this is according to Baseball Reference, but. He was a four-war player, according to baseball reference, only getting 390 at-bats. And I have a feeling he's going to get more than that this year. 391 at-bats, the The plate appearances was 468. He's going to play more than that this year. That's my prediction, first and foremost, as long as he stays healthy. He's going to be a pretty well, regular, everyday player, and he's going to bat in the foremost, I think, of the lineup. He's going to bat leadoff, or he's going to bat number two on a number of occasions especially if the, the performance dictates it. He had a 394 on base last year. He had a 281 average last year. Those are numbers that you would take in a heartbeat from everybody in your lineup. Everybody. But his slug was 379. It was lower than the on base. He had five home runs and 468 plate appearances. He's got three home runs and 23 at-bats in spring. I know it's not always major league pitching that you're facing in spring but he's I think Wandy uh, Peralta he hit a home run off and Wandy Peralta has been around the block in the big leagues so he's he's doing these things and it's happening in a short sample size where like if Brendan Donovan becomes even a 20 home run hitter which last year he hit 5 if Brendan Donovan hit 20 home runs in 600 plate appearances and the on-base stayed the same, he would be one of the more valuable players in the National League. I feel pretty confident saying that because he's a driven guy, he's a dedicated guy, his defense is not going to just fall off the map. He's going to get better. He's going to get better as an outfielder if he plays more outfield because, honestly, to my eye last year, he was subpar as an outfielder. But just his sure versatility got him the Gold Glove Award. He even said at winter warm-up, like, Tommy's a better defender than me. Edmonds should have won the Utility Gold Glove Award because he played short and second. So, I mean, he's he's a humble guy. He's a dedicated guy. He's an all-business guy. There is nothing not to like about Brendan Donovan and his game and what he brings to the Cardinals, especially if he becomes a power hitter. And I'm not even talking about needing to be just like a 30-home run guy. He could hit 20 home runs and be one of the most valuable players, according to wins above replacement, in the National League. He would be one of the single most valuable players. I'm not saying he'd win the MVP because, you know, his type of player doesn't often get enough credit for defense and what he brings to the table for on base and for versatility. But he would, if you look at the war numbers, he would be like another version of Tommy Edman of what he was last year. But arguably it would end up being even more valuable than what Tommy brings because Tommy has not been a huge power hitter in his career, necessarily either. It don't don't underestimate. And again, last year Tommy had been six point three wins above replacement. And I could make the case that Tommy Edmond has a better off season, or pardon me, a better uh, offensive season coming up because he had an OPS of just seven twenty five last year. And I think more on base could be in his future. He could bat better than two sixty five. He might benefit a little bit from the lack of a shift. Um, not a ton. I don't want to oversell that. But he was a 13 home run guy last year, was Tommy Edmond, But he sold 32 bases. That's probably something that Donovan won't do. Um, Donovan is not a base stealer. He had two steals and five tries last year. What I'm saying, I think Brendan Donovan could be that five or six win player if he ends up adding just even a modicum of power to his game. When you have an on-base percentage higher than your slug, there's room to grow in the power department. And Donovan was just getting his feet wet. Right? And it, he was rookie last year. I think Brendan Donovan very quietly could turn into just an absolute stud that people around the league may not know the name just yet, but by the end of the season, they really could. If he does, if he translates just a little bit of that power, he doesn't even have to hit 20 dingers, guys. He hit five last year and he played, you know, 75% of what a full major league season would be. If he hits 10, if he hits 12, or 15, the, the Brennan Donovan's numbers are going to jump off the page as long as he does not backslide in the on-base department. So that's my long-winded way of saying, like, Brennan Donovan is a player. He's going to be here to stay. He's going to be a, a fixture in the Cardinals lineup, whether he's playing second every day or not. What could keep him from playing second every day? Could be Nolan Gorman, but I would say this. I don't care what Nolan Gorman does defensively. I do not care if he plays a position this year. He doesn't have to. The only reason he would have to is if Jordan Walker ends up being on the team and all the other outfielders, talking O'Neill, Carlson, and Newbar are playing really well. Then obviously you've got four guys for, for four spots, and you're going to have to figure it out with Donovan and, and Gorman at second. It's a good problem to have, though, right? But Nolan Gorman off to a good start this spring, 21 at-bats, 286 average, 375 on base with a 571 slug. He's had a couple of homers this spring. Uh, The strikeout numbers are up, probably higher than you'd want them to be. Um, But, you know, same story for Dylan Carlson, who's got an OPS over 900, just like Gorman. Uh, They both struck out eight times. I I, I think there's a world in which Nolan Gorman, who has gotten high praise from Ollie Marmel, from the team, about the way he's come into this camp, the fact that he had sort of been tasked with working on certain things in the offseason. They wanted him to be able to uh, take away the weakness in his game when it comes to the high heater, to be able to hit the high fastball, because if you can do that, and then you can stay on some of the breaking pitches, just become a more balanced and complete hitter was the the challenge for Nolan Gorman. And I feel as though at least the team thinks he's done that. The results starting to bear that out a little bit. Small sample, we got to keep in mind, not only is it a small sample, but it's a spring sample. And so... How much can you really read into that? It's fair to ask. But even the body composition for Nolan Gorman was something that Ali Marmo was very high on when he was asked, who's coming to camp looking you know, looking different physically? He said, Nolan Gorman has, has picked up the mantle with everything that we asked him to do this offseason. So that's another guy that you want to keep an eye on when it comes to, uh, offensively, guys that can take a step forward for the Cardinals. And keep this in mind, Nolan Gorman hit 14 home runs last year. He, he kind of faded down the stretch and didn't get playing opportunities. That was maybe more related to Albert. Just, you know, he was in the lineup with his DH every day. And Gorman wasn't even getting those opportunities against right-handed pitching, which he thought that was kind of the the obvious fixture that he could, could have opportunities with. Those weren't given. This year, it might be different. He's going to have to still earn them because, like I said, there's Donovan that's looking for opportunities. There are guys in the outfield like a Jordan Walker that could burst onto the scene. Alec Burleson doesn't want to just fade away into the ether. Like, there are guys that are going to be vying for these opportunities, but Nolan Gorman is certainly a guy as well that you do not want to lose sight of, and that could be a huge benefit to the Cardinals if you've got more guys that you feel good about offensively than you do positions in the daily lineup. I mean, that's a good problem to have. So, we'll see. I mean, the Jordan Walker show keeps on rolling. He's got the highest OPS of any Cardinal uh, that that has qualified, like I said, is getting at least like 3.4 at-bats per game. Uh, Arenado, Goldsmith, those guys have, have departed for the World Baseball Classic. They're both over 1,000. Arenado is a 1,700 OPS, had a couple of home runs and 14 at-bats. I think both those guys are going to be really strong. Like, if you were to take the optimistic viewpoint, though, of this lineup, and you look at Arenado, Goldie, just like, let's say they are what they were last year, top three in the MVP. Let's say Jordan Walker is rookie of the year caliber, which... I'm not saying he's going to be, but it's certainly within the range of outcomes for him. Uh, let's say Paul Young, OPS of 1,000 this spring. Again, small sample, but let's say he's figured out some things. Let's say Brendan Donovan becomes a power hitter. Let's say Nolan Gorman has fixed some of the holes in his swing. Let's say that Dylan Carlson can hit right-handed pitching. He's hit a home run off a of righty already this spring. Like, you can see a world in which it it sort of stacks on each other and you go, wow. <laughs> I mean, this Cardinals lineup... Could end up being something special, but that's the optimistic view where everything goes right. We acknowledge that it doesn't always work that way, but I don't know. I'm I'm seeing the lineup through a pretty optimistic lens right now, and I, I think it'll be very interesting on a day-to-day basis, kind of how they slot that out. It'll be it'll be cool to see. One other guy that I had teased, I don't remember all the names I teased at the beginning of the podcast, but one guy I do want to talk about and, and just gush about for a couple of minutes before we get out of here is Lars Newtbar, because... He's with Team Japan right now, uh, playing in the World Baseball Classic. And they had an exhibition game against the Hanshin Tigers. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation there. But they had an exhibition the other day. And Nupar went two for three, had a run scored, had an RBI. But his contributions to the team were far more than those individual box score numbers because he has basically got all of Japan grinding the pepper. (laughs) <laughs> this celebration that Lars Newpar introduced to the St. Louis Cardinals and it, it, you know, popularized, everybody knows about grinding the pepper. That is now something that not only Team Japan is doing, that Shohei Otani, one of the biggest superstars in the world of baseball, is doing. He hit two home runs in that exhibition the other day, and he was grinding the pepper after both of them. But, like, you, there was a video on Twitter of, like, J- Japanese news broadcasts. The anchors are doing it. Little League baseball teams over in Japan are grinding the pepper. Lars Nubar is an international sensation at this point, which is absolutely incredible to think about when you realize, like, okay, he was a Cardinals draft pick. We all thought, oh, that's a fun name, Lars Nupar Wouldn't it be crazy if he ever, you know, made it to the big leagues? And then he makes it, and he's kind of a fourth outfielder type but then you see the personality and you see the exuberance and you see the way he goes about it. And then you see, okay, the kid can play. He can make catches that Rob home runs to win games for the Cardinals. He can, he can hit, he has power. He's got on base ability. He's your leadoff guy. He's batting in the top two of the lineup in the playoffs. Like Lars Neupar is sort of him. (laughs) And then now he's making diving catches for team Japan. Like, I just wanted to gush for a minute. I don't have any long-range view. Like, I think Lars Newport will be what he was last year for the most part. And if you look at his end-of-season numbers, the 788 OPS, you go, okay, that's fine. It's pretty good, uh, but it's not overwhelming. I think he'll probably OPS 800 if I had to say this year because he started so poorly last year. His average was like 150 after a month and a half, and the OPS was like 600, maybe not even that. And then he was able to pick it up at the end of the year, which really I say the end of the year, it was like the final four months of the season. He had much better numbers. I think he's an 800 OPS kind of player. There are going to be holes in his swing. There, Everybody's got him. But he's going to OPS 800. He's going to be a plus defender in right field. I think a plus defender as well in center field if he's given the opportunity to play there. And that turns into like if he plays 150 games, He's another one of those guys who's going to be a four or five wins above replacement type of name, and that makes the Cardinals really dangerous. If you get the pitching that you need, that honestly makes the Cardinals pretty dangerous. He was 2.1 wins above replacement last year, but he had 290 at bats. If you double that, which you can't quite do because he had more plate appearances than you would in a full season, it was like a 60% season. But like if Newbar plays precisely like he did last year, he's like a three and a half to four win player over the course of a full campaign. And I think he's going to be better than he was last year because I think you'll be able to erase the first month and a half or two because that was when he didn't have regular playing time. If you recall, he was up and down from Memphis like it wasn't consistent. It was not an environment for him to thrive. They basically told Lars Newbar this year like you're going to be our guy. You're going to play. Don't. Don't worry about it. Just do what you do. And if Lars Nupar does what he does, he's going to be a four to five win player. I don't know that that's going to be an all-star, but like you're going to look across the diamond and go, oh, Arenado's a six win player. Goldsmith's a five or six win player. Donovan's a five win player. Nupar's a four or five win player. It, you know, it, the Cardinals offense has a chance as a lineup and as a defensive unit, which is going to help the pitching staff to be really good. Is it going to be that? I don't know. It's so early in the process things can obviously go wrong, injuries can happen, guys can underperform. But if you look at each individual player, this is a time of year where you can look at it and go, yeah, I could if you if I squint, I can see the path toward this being a very dynamic lineup with a little bit of versatility. You've got some guys from the left side, you got some right-handed power hitters, you have a couple of uh, switch hitters that can get the job done if they're consistent. You know, I You could always have more, but I feel like the Cardinals are in a spot where if they start out really good and maybe you find some holes that by June-July you want to fill via trade, the Cardinals could very well have the Central Division down and then supplement a little bit in late July to say, here's what we would need to maybe win a playoff series or two. And you never know. You kind of let the chips fall where they may. I think the Cardinals are in a good spot coming into the year. The pitching is the one area that I would say, I mean, offensively too, like there are guys that were counting on to perform that didn't last year, and so we're looking at those names. If they don't, then it's going to be what it is, but they had a good offense last year. I know the offense sort of tanked them out of the playoffs, but the offense was generally good. It was like top five in runs scored, OPS, those sorts of uh, numbers over the, the regular season. The pitching is the one thing that's going to have to hold up, and we've got questions, I think, about most of the guys in the rotation. But a lot of times those questions can be answered in a positive way, I can see already signs from Flaherty, from Mats, you know, guys like Michaelis, maybe we don't have a ton of questions about because he was able to get through last year healthy, even though prior years were a little bit more injury-riddled. But, I mean, you could look at each of these guys and go, yeah, there are ways for the pitching staff to paint out too. And so I think the Cardinals are in a good spot. You hope to stay healthy. You hope to see the guys that you want that step forward from. You want them to take it. But I'm intrigued. I don't know what people think about this team at this point. It's early March right now. There's still a number, you know, three weeks before the season begins. But let me know what you think. Let me know where I'm missing the boat. Let me know where you think, hey, this is something that nobody's talking about with this Cardinals team that really needs to be discussed. At for 12 on Twitter. Hit me up. Direct message. Send me a tweet. Whatever you got. Let me know. And uh, subscribe as well. Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to Shape Daily. Follow me on Spotify because that's the one thing with the, the the new analytics that have set up, I will literally know. And I'll say, hey, X amount of people have followed on Spotify since the last podcast, and that could be kind of fun to keep track of. So appreciate you guys. As always, let me know what you want to hear. We're doing Cardinals podcasts all season long. We're just getting warmed up. So thank you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.